Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 73rd episode of Concerned Dabs Podcast. I'm your host, Katie M. Kane. Our guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen, her Indian name is Takes Care of Water. Her given name is Stacia Morphine. She is a citizen of the Nimipu Nation and owner of Nez Perce Tourism LLC, which is a kick-ass tour agency located in the heart of Nimipu country. She also has a bachelor's degree in business administration and an associate in hospitality management from LCSE, and she's interested in organizational methods in marketing, sales, and logistical processes. She is my friend. She's from the red. She is super successful. She's taking an L and bounced back. My homegirl, Stacia Morphine. Ladies hey, and hey, that was the most superb intro I've ever experienced. I can just feel the excitement in the atmosphere. It feels good to be here with you, Kane. I haven't seen you for a minute. I'm so glad you moved closer to home. I mean, being home on our, our Nimipu homelands is, is where it's at. And, you know, we're all connected through these great river systems from the Pacific Ocean, the Columbia, the Snake, the Clearwater, and so many streams within them. But, you know, I, I probably feel you too when you were gone and, and living um, maybe towards Portland, like was the Columbia River calling you? Did you find yourself there and and wanted to to just, just feel that peace and that, that connection to our riverways and our landscapes? Yeah, no doubt, man. Jordy moved out there to Cascade Locks when I was in Portland, so I was able to go check out a bro who's from home who stayed there too. But. Oh, good. I love it. You know, it's yeah. all about um, it's all about having that inspiration and that connection, that that direct connection to our ancestors. And it just feels so good to be here today with you guys. This is such a great, you know, entertainment production company that uh, I, I'm glad to be a part of. So thank you for having me as your guest today. No doubt, girl. No doubt. I'm uh impressed with the office that's another thing ladies and gentlemen uh if you can see it in the video she's this is just one corner of the office behind her there's there's lots of cool shit going on in here lots of artwork um down here at the what is it newberry square yep newberry oh. square on uh beautiful downtown lewiston yeah so if you guys ever slide through the 208 come check out uh nez Perce tourism in newberry square downtown lewiston um it's going to be a lot better as time goes by, I'm sure. If, and if you're an artist, too, please holler at the girl. I'm, I'm sure she could consign some stuff. For yep, if you're, and what I typically like to do is if you're a Nimi Poo Nespers, as a descendant of an, another nation, um, if you're a local artist, I'm all about promoting you. And so if you have um, artwork, beadwork, uh, photography, you know, whatever that might be in the art medium that you have, um, hit me up. And, and what I'll do is I'll just buy it out for, outright from you wholesale. The last thing I want to do is, you know, host your things in, in, in my establishment, establishment without paying you first. And so I, I appreciate the work that we all do as, as Native and non-Native people. And so we can keep working together. But, you know, it's all about the grassroots. And uh, it's kind of exciting because this is my first public announcement of letting folks know that Nest Purse Tourism LLC, my travel agency, has now expanded and we're doing business as Nest Purse Traditions. And so it'll be a local gift shop down here in the shopping district. Um, but there's a huge demand for authenticity, and you guys, that's what we are. So um, I'm excited to announce that. Um, I haven't done any marketing and promotions yet. This is literally the third day in the building, and so we're messing things up in a good way. So uh, it feels good to be here with you all. Come check us out anytime. We'll be here. Yeah. And uh, that, that word, too, authenticity, um, there is a lot of people front, um, a lot of native print everything everywhere you know what i mean so it's it's good to know that it, it came from someone who is a d indigenous who created that product or, or that piece of art so 
Yeah, so when I um, started my company, Nest Purse Tourism LLC, uh, I did two years of, of strict market research, and I, and I did research of uh, the domestic and international uh, travelers that we have coming through our region, the Pacific Northwest, and I quickly realized through this market analysis that uh, a lot of people are looking for that connection to the indigenous people of the land they're visiting. And you know, there was 95% two years ago, 95% of folks in the Lewis and Clark Valley who were promoting um, Nest Purse, Lewis and Clark among the Nest Purse, those type of, of scenarios and experiences, and not one of them was Nest Purse tribally owned from our tribe or from uh, a tribal entrepreneur as myself. And so I saw a, a big, huge opportunity to uh, start a tourism agency, and that's exactly it. The people are looking for that relationship uh, with, with the authentic people, and, and we've been here for centuries. The ecological knowledge and relationship and, and the information that we hold as, as Native people is, is what people are looking for and there's a, a big uh, psychology to it you know we talk about um, you know lack of identity within our, our nations and things like that and and I can attest to that for for several reasons I was on that same path too and we'll get into that a little bit later about um, just finding your life ways and and learning to love yourself um, but yeah I, I'm a, a heavy promoter of cultural tourism so if if you um, are indigenous and and you live near or around your homeland it is something that I would like you to consider um, we do some work with the Coeur d'Alene tribe and we're, we're trying to put some other folks on in some neighboring tribes of the Plateau Nation but I would love to continue working with you guys um, I know that some people's families own allotments own land um, that aren't being utilized and I mean we could easily tap into uh, you know Airbnb opportunities for you know small cabins or a teepee stay or whatnot I mean it, it might sound crazy but um, you know people are looking for these type of experiences and I would love to start working with other entrepreneurs who who have the capability as we all do as indigenous people um, to be the to visit to be business owners to be successful I mean because let's face it you know Nimipu there wasn't a dentillion shell a buffalo robe that didn't cross our community without us knowing or without us approving so so literally if you're a Nimipu specifically you have that in your DNA to be an entrepreneur to trade to barter to be a business person it's already in you so just helping you uh, gain those tools in that um, that the inspiration and um, kind of the confidence to be able to fulfill what your destiny is. Maybe it's not tourism. Maybe it's maybe it's something else that you just feel like there's a seed growing in your in the pit of your stomach or something that that has been on your heart. I want to encourage you to to keep looking into it. Um, go to your small business center of your area. Go to the Nimi Poo Fund, the IDRS Acorn Project. Those are great no cost to you resources that you can use that helped me um, be where I'm at today. Uh, but none of this would be possible without some of the hardships that I have faced um, through my past. And so Kate and I, we were just talking about- uh, Yeah, yeah, I, 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 man, let me interrupt. I, I showed up early to set up. Um, we went to go uh, grab something to drink before we started and I, I Stacia has had some, uh, some hardships in her life too that I, I didn't know if it was okay to ask about on the show. Um, so before the show, I said, hey, man, can I ask about that? And she said, yeah, no doubt. It's all good. So um, can I ask, Stacia, about the time that you spent down um, before you came up? 
Yeah. Um, well, geez, I remember when I mean, we grew up together, we kind of have been around each other for a while. Yeah. Um, and if you are unfamiliar what life is on the reservation, um, you know, it, it, there is a very oppressed spirit that you can easily fall into if, if you choose to. And, um, you know, a big part of that is, you know, just, just low self-esteem. It starts out, um, it starts out with maybe dabbling with, you know, maybe drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, whatnot. Um, but, you know, as I started to get older, I, I wanted to be and look and feel older than I really was. And that in itself has created a lot of obstacles as far as being a young Native American woman, um, you know, wanting the approval from man um, and wanting to look and feel older. I mean, I remember going clubbing when I was way too small. And um, I have a, a stepdaughter now, and I look at her, and, and I was her age, and doing the things that I was doing um, was extremely inappropriate. And I'm just so thankful that you know we we've raised as you know multiple families raising this young woman, we raised her to be very conservative and to to respect herself, and that's not something that I was ever taught. Um, and, and you know, as, as time progressed, I, I just continued down um, the road of, of, of drugs and alcoholism. But the thing is, is that I was always really smart. You know, school came extremely easy to me. Um, developing relationships with, you know, tribal, non-tribal people has always been a very natural feeling, um, I guess, thing that I was able to accomplish. And I didn't see that those abilities were, were very far and few in between. And so as I went to college in Coeur d'Alene, you know, I connected with, you know, people who were, were in the game and I just, I started seeing that there were opportunities to make money. So I slowly started, stopped stop going to class, um, started making money on the side, you know, started getting more into drugs. And eventually I got caught up and I got um, a federal case and I, I, I fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it to the last minute and finally I just surrendered. I, I looked in the audience during my trial and I realized, oh my goodness, there it was full of people who supported me. My family, my friends, my teachers, my coaches. I mean, all of these, the place was packed. And uh, at that moment, I just realized, oh my goodness, what am I doing? And um, I had the opportunity to make an appeal and my dad said, you know, we're gonna fight this, babe, you know, don't worry about it. And I just felt this nudge in my heart to just surrender. And you know, as indigenous people, you can just imagine how hard it was for, for our people to surrender if you had those altercations with the US government. You know, for us, the, the flight of 1877 was, was a big um, part of our history and a big turn. Whether some people think it was for good, it was for worse, the thing is is that, that we're still here. And, and I realized you know, how hard it was probably for our, our ancestors to make these choices to surrender which ultimately probably was the best um, choice for, for that time. And so that's what I did, you know, I, I completely surrendered and said, you know what, I looked my dad dead in the eye and I said, I'm done, I'm done fighting. And um, I was uh, acquitted on um, charges for uh, methamphetamine, for um, cocaine, you know, and it wasn't just a little bit here and there, there were multiple um, charges for, for multiple um, drops and occasions. And so it was something that I, was very scared to admit, um, but something that I knew I had to do. But when I saw all the folks that were rooting for me still, even after knowing um, that I had a problem and that I was heading down the right path, um, I decided to change my life and I, I went to prison for, I was um, sentenced three years in prison. And uh, where, I did. Where, where did you go? Where did, you, where, where did they send you to first? So first I went over to um, Victorville, California. And then from California, I don't know how this happened, but I was able to um, get into the RDAP program, a residential drug treatment program. 
and it was a cognitive behavioral health therapy approach, and um, it, it completely helped me change the way that I thought. Um, I was able to see the truth. But anyways, and so I got into this program, and you know, the, the full time I was there, the girls at Victorville were like, girl, you ain't getting in. You, man, you need to get in the back. Like, you ain't going nowhere. We've been on the wait list for a hot minute. We've already been in for this long. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. And there was a sister. She was my counselor, a black lady. And uh, I would every day I would go to her door. I would knock on her door, knock on her door. You know, let's look through my discovery. Let's, let's, I know there's a way that I can get into this program. I need this program, you know. And at that time, I wanted the time off, not really seeing the, the, full, um, the full destiny that I had over my life. But, you know, she... You're just trying to shake some, some months off, right? Oh, I was yeah. trying to get anything you that I can to go home. Here, yeah. And so I kept knocking, kept knocking, kept knocking on her door. And finally, she's like, child, what do you want? And I said, please, you have to help me. And so we looked through my discovery, and I was, I was honest with some of the things that, you know, just about, I told you guys, with my childhood, things that I've experienced, things like that. And so me tying myself to um, kind of that, that fast-paced uh, life, I was able to say, okay, you do, um, you do fall under the criteria to, to be in this program. Anyways, her and I, and, and I remember I got in trouble because she came to me on the yard, and she said, Ms., uh, she said Green, uh, come here. And she told me, um, I don't know how, but we got you in and you've been approved. You're packing your bags and you're leaving in two days. And I remember I got in trouble because I, I dropped everything that we had and I gave her a hug. And you're not supposed to hug or touch any officers or anybody. And yeah. she's like, you're not supposed to hug me, but it's okay. And she started crying like it was a big, like, uh, like a divine moment for both of us. And so it was just cool being able to experience that with another woman, you know, another person who uh, saw something in me that was different from, from other people. And so I was able to pack up two days later and uh, I was probably there for about a month and a half in, in California. But the girls were like, who in the hell is this bitch? Where is she from? I, I want that spirit, whatever she has on her, I want that in me. But you know, that, that same spirit of, of hope and desire is something that does live in all of us. And I, and I do want you to just keep trying to pull and pull it out, even you know, in the darkest times, as I'm looking at some of these paintings from, from our, our tribal artists and our people, you know, we've gone through some extremely tireless measures. And um, you know, during those times, it, it, was, it was the spirit that we were able to, to pull out of us, you know, whether it was you know, a, a forced um, in exile. I mean, I went to prison, these people went to prison, although I was guilty, um, you know, without any jury or trial or anything, our people were placed off our off our homelands, and just th there was a lot of just traumas that we we dealt with. But um, you know, but we're here, and and I just think about them being in exile, not even having anything to hold on to. What was it? And that's where our our songs came to me, like the flag song. You yeah. know, that one, oof, our, our Nest Press flag song, that one is a song that you have to be able to hear, and you can feel that as our as our drummers sing it. But um, our flag song came to me. I started going sweat. I then went down to Arizona. Yeah, what was that like, man? That, you sat most of it down there? So this is what I got to be really careful about is because um, I never want to glorify prison. Nah. But for me, it, it was different. It was like I saw the flowers growing in the cracks. You know, I saw the sunsets because I started to just awaken my ideals and my thoughts. And my vision was like 2020. I could see so clearly. It was it was beautiful. But you know, there was a lot of work that I had to do internally before I was able to completely um, you know move into another direction. There was a lot of things that I had to work through with my childhood. Um, I mean, with my young adulthood. Just just being a, a young woman. A lot of forgiveness that I needed 
needed to do. Um, mostly, I was cool with forgiving other people. It was really hard for me to give myself, forgive myself. And I remember there was one, uh, one assignment my, my counselor gave me, and she said that I had to write you know, my top 100 worst things I've ever done. And there's thousands of things that I've done that I'm not proud of. So not only did I have to write down a top hundred of things, I had to share it with five people. And I remember, you know, the first time, second time, third person, I would just cry because I'd be, oh, just so, just, you know, humiliated, uh, just all these just nasty things that I've experienced and, and been a part of. But, you know, after the fourth person, I got a little bit better. After the fifth person, I don't think I dropped a tear. And so that's why I always think it's so important, too, to share my testimony or my stories because I just hope that it helps somebody along the way. But not only that, I made a promise when I was in prison. I said that I would always share. I don't care if it's in front of an audience of, of professional business owners who have no clue about my past, that I would share parts of the story because I knew that it would help somebody. Um, so I do do that. You know, even in the most uncomfortable situations, um, I still try and share parts of that that I, that I feel is appropriate. But yeah, being in prison and sitting that time was, it, it was tough, uh, but it was extremely necessary for that shift that needed to take place in my life. No doubt. Yeah, man. I, uh, yeah, that's, it, you know, nobody wants to go to that place. Um, but most people that actually do go to that place don't come out better because of it. Mm -hmm. and, and there's not too many success stories after the fact. You know what I mean? It's usually you're in the system and then you, get out and go right back in and so that's why I think your story is unique too because uh I mean you've been out what like less than 10 years right yeah so it's been four four years I've been home for four years see and and to make those kind of moves um in four years is dude that's pretty amazing and awesome but also just to uh to not get you know discouraged or distracted um, to, to keep the focus to try and reach those goals and then to achieve them like that's something to be uh, applauded and looked up to uh, yeah just I just by humans in general but also indigenous people and women too you know what I mean and it, also anybody who's who's ever been in trouble before you know mm -hmm. what I mean because it sucks having to check that box on an, in an interview or I mean on an ap application and then answer that question in an interview you know what I mean it's it feels like you're not going to get the job every mm -hmm. single time you check that box and have to tell that story and so well yeah i mean even just just to piggyback off of that there's even jobs that as soon as you say you're a felon they're like okay interview's over it's yeah. a it's company policy we are not allowed to hire you or anybody like you so yeah. you kind of feel like you're in this other category all already you're in another category yeah. and so um yeah that was pretty harsh i do have a story that i'd like to share about that specifically so I did, um, I was in college when I got caught up. Um, I was going to school at LCSE for hospitality management. Um, I ended up getting hemmed up and being sent away, but I, I communicated very honestly and effectively with all of my instructors. So I was able to finish, and this is crazy. So they, uh, they, what they did is we exchanged email addresses and each week they would send me my workload. And then I ordered my books. So I had to reorder my books and send them to myself in prison. And then I was able to email them all my assignments. So I graduated with my associate's degree in federal prison in Arizona in 2011. Tight. And so that was cool in itself. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to keep going. I'm going to take all these classes. I went to Rio, uh, Rio Salada. It was what the name was. is online programming for, for um, I think, anybody, really. It wasn't just federal um, inmates. Yeah, I saw those commercials on, yeah. online. Uh, Rio Salada. Yeah, it's like a... Um 
It is like a coding school or something like that, right? So yeah, I ended up, yeah. of course, loving it. I, I'm big into education. Um, I, I absolutely am pro-education. If you want to go into trade, if you want to go into a certain degree, you don't have to if you don't want to. Like any any entrepreneur can wake up and say, this is what I'm going to do and do it. Uh, but you do not need to have that roadmap, those goals and uh, those strategies that we had talked about just a second ago. Those are very important in that uh, we, we go back and look at that list and alter. Like say, for example, owning a tourism company um, in the midst of a, a COVID 19 pandemic was we had to pivot and we had to make some very um some, some very tough decisions on the route that we were going to take because let's face it you know internationally nobody's traveling domestically a little bit of the drive market um but then in that case do i want to put my people at risk and so so there, there's things with COVID that I agree with, some things that I don't agree with, whether it's even real or not, I don't want to get into that. But the thing is, is that, you know, in your lives, whether it's personal or professional, you have to make those pivots and, and, and being um, in a place where you even know what those are, you, you have to be honest with yourself. And sometimes I remember the situation, I'm not going to get into that too, but I remember I was walking down the street on the reservation and Kane, he's always been real with me. He's always been honest, a hundred, there's no sugar coat and nothing, right? And he walked by me and he's like, no, he drove by. I was walking to the, uh, the post office and he turned around and I was like, oh, what's this guy up to? And he pulls up and he's like, dang, homegirl, you look messed up. And, and it wasn't those exact words. It was different words. But I was like, man, boy, you need to quit. I look good. And he's like, no, for real. Like, are you OK? Like, for real, you know? And at that moment, I was thinking, dang, I didn't realize that you could notice that I was into what I was into, but he did. And it was cool, and it was a, a, a homey moment where I was like, dang, no one has done that yet. You were the first person to say that. And, and it made me realize, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm sorry. You can see it now, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to be a hater either, but it was. It was, you looked different. The, yeah. The shine. The glow wasn't there, yo, you know what I mean? And that was just uh, common every time I, I ran into you. So, um, yeah, I just try to keep it honest. Yeah, so it's I appreciated cool that. that. It's cool that you remembered that. Oh, oh, I remember that. I, I, I think of that often. And that's even something I wrote about, you know, during the, the behavioral therapy is, you know, were there, did other people see signs in you? Because I was able to hide it good, you know, really good at, you know, manipulating myself, my family, my, my coworkers, my bosses. I mean, nobody would have known unless you knew me to a point where they're like, and comfortable enough and honest enough to say, hey, you, you look messed up, you need to get some help, or you know, are you okay, let's, let's work through this together. But everyone just kind of turned to, turned to eye, or, or, or I played it off really well. Um, so I, I love and respect the honesty that I felt from you. No doubt, same man, it's all good man. M mad, mad love, Stacia, and, and respect. And it's, it's, uh, it's good to see you chalking up wins now too man you know what i mean yeah yeah um that I, that's another question not, not to interrupt again but um what what made you decide on tourism like were, were you like did you was that the original plan going to college or were you like man i'm gonna open a hotel or so i'm, like, I'm, what were you, I'm glad what you asked the, what, why, why tourism and what what you know did it did it just seem like the was it a purely business move or what, you know, can mm -hmm. you talk about that? Yeah, so I, I'm glad that you asked. Um, so it, it kind of does tie into the felony question and, and experiencing putting, being placed into this category. So when I got out of prison, I was at the halfway house in Coeur d'Alene and um, 
you know, of course, you know, I, I, I was thirsty, I was hungry, I was ready to hit the road, I wanted to work, I wanted to make money, I wanted to finish school, I have all these dreams and aspirations, and, um, you know, one of those dreams was, and that was the time where uh, Davenport Grand was opening up their new hotel. And so everybody was lining up. I mean, down the corners of Spokane, everyone was lined up trying to get into this new fresh establishment, the hottest place in Spokane, right, as far as hospitality. And so I, I get through the door, and, and this is a, a really weird kind of point where, you know, there was like a four-tier interview process. So I, I made it through the first door, and then I made it through the second door. And, and by the second and third, I mean, people are like, even they just look at you and be like, nah, you're not coming through. Yeah. You know, honestly, that's what it felt like. Yeah. And so if you weren't dressed a certain way or didn't look a certain way, you didn't make it through the first. Okay, so maybe you did have your resume in hand, and you did, you, you know, you did speak well. Maybe you went through the second, and then you started getting into the questions. So every single time I came to that felony question, I would let them know I was convicted for a, non uh, a nonviolent criminal offense. Um, you know, this is, this is where I'm at right now. I've served my time. Um, I'm now here to pay my debt to society. I want to make a difference in our community. And um, I was very honest about living in the halfway house. Uh, I had an ankle monitor on. And anyway, so I end up getting this very high manager position, and it was for uh, banquets and, and catering, you know, performing um, and putting together organizing small events um, to, to large weddings, basically catering. And so I got that manager position, the top spot. And so we were sitting, I, I, I got my uniform, I got my tags, uh, my, my name tags. Um, we had, I think we we're on our third day of training and the head HR lady happened to see my ankle monitor because we sat next to each other. You know, I had my high heels on, my black slacks, you know, very professional looking, feeling just confident, happy, excited, you know. Um, and she saw that ankle monitor and she asked me what it was and I told her and she told me right then and there on that spot, what position do you have in this company? And I told her the catering and sales uh, manager, the director, and and she says, we're not going to be able to hire you for that position. On the spot, told me that That's because of stuff, that ankle monitor. Yeah. And I told her, I said, ma'am, I was very transparent about, you know, my yeah. past and where I live right now. I mean, I mean, your HR team knows that they selected me. They handpicked me through this huge process. Yeah. You know, I was, I was trying to kind of trying to plead my case. And she said, you know, the best we can do is we can offer you a serving job. And I looked at her. Yeah. And That's I was like, you're kidding me. Yeah. I said, you know what? Here's this name tag. Here's your little jacket. I said, I don't want any of it. Yeah, man. And it's I said, I'm out. And I was devastated because that was a dream job, you know, yeah, being in the hospitality dude. industry and graduating and then yeah. being at the Davenport Grand. I mean, that was the hot thing. And I was just like, you know, I was devastated. And um, that, that, was, that was another turning point in, okay, you know, what do I need to do as a young woman to be where I need to be? And um, I went out and worked for the Coeur d'Alene Casino and Resort. Oh, awesome people. I made some good money over there, developed some really good relationships with, and I work with, work with a lot of them now for um, large tour groups, motor coach groups. Uh, we we cross-promote each other in tourism, and it's, it's their actual tribal tourism department. Me, I'm the entrepreneur, so being able to work with another tribe at, at my capacity um, as equals is really neat. Um, but yeah, and so, so all of these things happen for a reason, and then um, I was able to, to 
come home into back into Lewis and Clarkston and uh, I finished school I graduated with my bachelor's degree in business administration and I started working in advertising and promotions I mean you come from communications you know what it's kind of like and you know it's a tough it's a tough grind you know it's trying to sell um, you know radio and digital advertisements and putting together business plans for for people in the marketing aspect and um, you know I was able to to accomplish these great things by another person who believed in me and you know Talina Johnson Talina Layton she was like you know I see something in you I want to give you a shot and and her and Ben Bonfield from Pacific Empire they're like hey we want you on our team and you know I started out in this position and with with no clients and and you, sometimes when you start out in these positions you they'll throw you a couple two three four you know yeah some gimmies yeah, you know I mean? yeah there's a new guy coming in man you, you can have guy. this last client that yeah. nobody wants to mess with but he's willing to spend money or whatever right yeah. nothing nothing and so I'm like, okay, you know what? I can I can do this. Let me let me prove a little something. And so you know, first month sales, second month sales, third month, and it just continued to grow and grow and grow. And you know, at first two, three, four years later, you know, I was booking you know fifty thousand dollars a month in, in local regional advertising for this company, and gaining you know twenty percent commission. And you know, working with all of these great company owners, and and sometimes not so great, and and just being able to help them be successful for me was a blessing. But um, I also started seeing, okay, what about that 80% though? Let's, ch- let's check out what that's all about. Because I, I look at that and I'm thinking, okay, 42,000 or 4,000? You know, which one looks better and who's doing the work? Yeah, it's your equipment. But, you know, there's just all of these things that you start thinking about. And as a, a, a person who is capable, like we all are, every single one of us is, and I, and I can't stress that enough, um, no matter where you came from, what background you, you have or what things you have or haven't experienced. Um, but that's when I realized, okay, there's an opportunity here. So I started market research. Oh, one of my vendors are here. She has a vendor who just stopped by today to drop off some of her artwork. Her name is Lydia Scahan. You were also a Nespers tribal member? Um, I'm not enrolled Nespers, but I have Nespers descendancy. Dope. Yeah. Okay, so I just wanted to introduce you. Can you please tell us about what you have going on artwork-wise? Okay. Um, so as an artist, I do a lot of different mediums. Um, lately, my focus has definitely been sewing. Since the pandemic, I've been sewing masks nonstop. Um, I try to keep them, you know, at affordable prices so that because I know everyone needs them right now. So I've mostly been working with masks. But um, one of the other mediums I love to work with is also quill work. Yeah, um, that's uh, that's dope. It's that's rare. Yeah, and I'm really excited because I just recently found a porcupine, so I'm going to have some fresh new quills, um, get some new colors in for the fall and the rest of the summer. So. Dope. Yeah. Is, is there an IG or website link that people can follow your work and try and buy something from you? Yeah, um, my Instagram, I'm pretty sure it's just um, Lydia Skahan McLeod. It might be um, at L underscore Skahan McLeod. Can you please spell it out? Um, just so yeah. we can, you know, I want people who are listening to the episode yeah, to be able to find sure. your work. You know what I mean? Um, so L underscore S-K-A-H-A-N, then um, M-C-C-L-O-U-D, all lowercase. Awesome. And uh, when's the quill work? Is Christmas time? You're going to have some pieces available? Yeah, um, definitely. I always have a lot during Christmas time. Usually, you know, we set up for the holiday bazaars and stuff. So this year not sure if those are going to be happening so i'll definitely be trying to post more to my instagram um so i do 
a lot of my selling is primarily Instagram. So if you go there, um, I do a lot of custom orders. So if you were to message me, I, you know, I could work with you on color, size, whatever you want to get done. Awesome, man. That's super dope. And f folks can also find your work down here at Nez Perce Tourism LLC too, right? Yes. Starting today, I do have um, masks and scrunchies here available at Stacia's Beautiful Store in downtown Lewiston. And um, hopefully I'll be getting more work in here. Um, as time goes on and yeah I'm just excited to, and, for her to have this store it's beautiful there's lots of good stuff down here no doubt and, and don't you do some some work on the tourism side also besides just the artwork um, I have performed a couple times with Stacia my family and I we do travel um, we did travel extensively to powwows um, all across North America. Um, I dance Northern Traditional as well as my husband. Nice. And my good son good. is a little chicken dancer, but we recently just got him fancy bustles, so all he's right. excited to bust those out when powwows come back. Cool, man. Cool. Yeah. So uh, is there anything else you would like to add? Um, you know, do you want to send folks to any other places or any, any other messages you want to get out to folks? Um, just come on down to Stacia's store. It's beautiful. She has lots of um, artwork from local artists. And find my Instagram, message me, and we can work something out. No doubt. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to come on our show, Lydia. We appreciate it a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll try and send you the link, too, once, okay, once we cool. upload the episode. All right, thank you. Yeah, no doubt. And thanks for coming in. Yeah. And, man, thanks, Stacia. We were talking about that shift in um, the the convicted felon. Um, oh yeah, man, getting denied jobs because you got an F or an ankle monitor. You yep. know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that, that shit fucking sucks, man. You know, especially just as, as transparent and honest and as hard as I worked for that position, just to be like, f from the looks of things, it doesn't seem like you would be a good director or a manager, and and you'd be more of a servant. Yeah. Attitude. I'm yeah. like, excuse me. No, you can go ahead and take this little tag. And yeah. you can go ahead and go and, and good luck finding the best candidate for you because it's not me. Yeah. And I just, you know, just, I was devastated, but you know, the, the, the buildup for the relationships that I had after the position that I got after that has way, way surpassed what I've ever thought that I would experience with another hospitality company. And that's the Coeur tribe, like I'd mentioned before. Um, but yeah, and then I, I, I got into sales and I saw the commission and I was at 20% and I said, where the heck is the other 80? I want that 80. Let's do this. Yeah. And so what I did is I, um, I, I had this vision. Um, an old, old, old Nest Purse elder came to me, um, a, a man. And I was with my daughter. I have a three-year-old. Her name is Kalila, Kamasnim Lotus, Camas Lily. Oh, she's everything. She's everything. And... Um, her and I went hiking on, on one of our sacred sites and, you know, I just, I asked, I said, creator God, I, I need, I need direction. I just felt, I felt fine, but I just felt like there was something more that I was called to do. And he told me that I was going to, to work in cultural preservation and, um, you know, that, that I, I might feel like I'm not fit for it because I wasn't raised in this cultural way um, per se but you know culture and ecological knowledge comes in so many different forms you know when I think about like the sweat house for example um, you know I grew up in that and so that's just one component of, of, of spirituality and uh, and culture and so there's all of these elements that come into play but um, he said but you're gonna do it and uh, and this is this is basically what you need to do and so after I came off that mountain I went into the small business center here in Lewiston on Main Street and I and I was it was tar starting to talk about 
you know, the, the, the SWOT analysis, you know, the strengths, obstacles, weaknesses, threats, all of these things. And as we did this, the SWOT analysis, I, I quickly realized that there was an opportunity, and I was thinking nonprofit for cultural preservation, but I saw that there was an opportunity for, for Nez Perce tourism, which still is a component of preservation. It's still a component of education. Um, and, and so I, I did two years of market research, and I was on the ground running. I went to Portland and back to the Pacific Ocean and back all around our region to, to find out where these guests were coming from, who is visiting our homeland, how much money are they spending, how long are they staying, who are these people, where are they coming from? So I literally did two years of more intense market research, and it wasn't, oh, yeah, I'm going to look some things on the Internet and hope something pops up. No, I got into these deep uh, tourism databases with the state and with Montana and with Washington and Oregon, and I met with the chambers and, and all of these things, and I, and I just put some real hard work and time into it and um, I, I realized that we have a huge market here for um, the river cruise boats and so from March to November there is already 30,000 people coming here to our region who are who are staying here for for at least three nights yeah. so um, we have you know the American Cruise Line all of these these multi-billion dollar companies who are bringing people here for that authentic experience whether it's with the Lewis and Clark journey or whether it's Hell's Canyon you know Hell's Canyon is, is our, in our backyard and that um, is, is the deepest river gorge in North America I mean deeper than the Grand Canyon and so there's a lot of people and companies here who play off of the history of this area and like I said there wasn't anybody tribal tribally owned or, or, or tribal member who was taking advantage of that and so I said, this is what people want. This is the opportunity. This is what I'm going to do. And so I originally didn't have the, you know, even sometimes you have an idea, start thinking it out. And, and even just open thinking concept, you know, don't, don't prioritize and, and make sure that everything's structured just right. You know, just, just think and write things down, whether it's on a scrap piece of paper or whatnot. Yeah, and Write and, it down. Man. Yeah, write it down and start, start thinking about it and, and replacing it and asking people questions, people that you trust. No, I'm not going to say go tell everybody your grand plans first thing because I didn't. I was yeah. very discreet about what I was going to do because I didn't want anybody to go for me and try to ruin that that destiny that I had over my life. Dude, yeah. I, man, I've told this to people, too, that I try to show the script to. It's like I don't want to send it to anybody if they're not going to be a part of the project because I'm not trying to accuse anybody of being a hater, but showing someone what you're shooting for allows them to have some sort of influence energy-wise over the outcome. And so... It is, and that is that, that energy and that I mean? spirit's alive, and whether it's for good or for bad, people will use that in, in good and negative ways, and so I was just, you know, I was very... Um, I was very responsible about how I went about opening my company. And, um, you know, I didn't do anything without that, that good feeling in my body and my heart. You know, if I, was, if I was going into a direction that I felt was disrespecting my ancestors, my culture, um, you know, either myself would feel it, or my family would tell me, um, or, you know, the circle of elders would, you know, say, you know, that's something I want you to reconsider. Um, so I have lots of mentors all across Nimipu country. I mean, our, our landscape is huge, you know, 19 million original acres of homeland and multiple states and Canada and California and all these places. Um, that's home to us. And so we have people d dispersed all throughout these places that hold such great knowledge and information. And then they're willing to share. You know, some of the things, one of my, my biggest tools for Nest Purse Tourism, I think, was um, doing that SWOT anal analysis, you know, creating my business model canvas, of course, um, but also um, working with, oh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, doing an um, a internal assessment. So I, I did this 
assessment for and with my people that, that was consisted of four categories. And the four categories was of, of knowledge that we should share and could share, and it's respectful to share. So we had, you know, sacred was one, secret, commonly known, and widely shared. So it was like a survey that we had different topics, you know, whether it was, you know, sacred, you know, first foods, medicines, um, you know, our sweat lodges, things like that, those places of prayer, you know, those are sacred to us. So those are things that, for me, we are going to stay away from. We don't want to exploit, we don't want to share those things with, you know, visiting non-tribal guests. Yeah, well, I mean, in certain cases, you might feel inclined to share with an individual, but to sell that. Yeah, and to promote yeah, that experience. Yeah, yeah and so, I mean, we, sale, th those, those, those assessments, and, you know, it, it, it did something, too. It, you know, one of my biggest threats was uh, the, the community buy-in that I was going to hope to have. And I was very honest with myself about that because you think about the past and how the non-tribal influence played on our lives. You know, there's a lot of mistrust. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're not going to say, hey, come see us and come check us out and, and come buy our land while we're trying to buy our land back, you know, with the tribe. Yeah. You know, just we had general counsel in, in May and we owned 16% of our 1863 treaty, which is, you know, we 750,000 acres, 60% of, 16%, 16%, 16%, 16% of that is what we own now. So we're slowly buying land back, which is great, but I don't want to provide more opportunities for more people with more money to come here and buy our land you yeah. know but we do want to promote our, our history and our culture the truth of that and so I do see you know how some people are like mm, yeah we're, we're good on on tourism there's other you know revenue streams that we could tap into besides you know inviting more folks to our homeland but there is that educational piece and that healing component too for our own people that that is working like for me a lot of that healing took place you know when I was in prison yeah. and a lot of it took place uh, traditionally when I was home doing doing this work you know being on the ground and being with my elders you know the best part of my the work that I do is is not taking a pen paper phone recording anything it's just authentically sitting with my people and and, and talking about stories and our history and legends and the lessons that those legends hold. You know, it's really neat because, like, there's stories that you probably heard that I've never heard because you're a boy, you're, you're a man, you yeah. know, as a young boy. And they're meant only for young boys. And, and same with me, I probably heard stories and lessons that only young girls are supposed to hear. So it's just so beautiful that we have, you know, things that are meant for certain people, certain places, certain times. I mean, our whole life revolves around the seasonal realms, and, and, and I, we try to stay with those concepts. Yeah, songs for everything, too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's, I don't, I don't know. I, uh, my boy's like eight, and that's the thing I've been trying to work with him on is trying to make a song. And it's you can make it about whatever mm -hmm. you can make it about eating cereal in the morning or whatever. But it's <laughs> you know I, we, we had songs for you know this one's for the morning, this one's for when we're gonna go pick berries, this one's for where we're gonna uh, doctor our horse up, make him look pretty. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but paint paint him up before we go and, and raid this other this other spot real quick. So I think it's it's dope musically too. You know what I mean? Our, our mm -hmm. culture there's always a song. Mm -hmm. every situation and, and you can feel those songs too whether it's through the drum whether it's acapella whether it's through a rap whether it's through making beats it doesn't matter what it is we we have this connection with our our spirit like i said in the atmosphere and and you can project this feeling onto other people whether they want to accept it or not that's on them but it's it's up to you to project that and we all have that responsibility like your your boy oh i'm excited to see uh, yeah. see you know 
Yeah, I like him, man. A good, good story about <laughs> him. Like, I'm not with his mom anymore. Um, sometimes things don't work out. But there was a time where she brought him up to, uh, they go and dig camas mm -hmm. up, up there. And then, you know, they, they cook it in the ground and all that. They make like a whole week trip out of it. I and, love it. And they had some kind of, like a dinner at the church up there. And, you know, they have a PA and a microphone and, you know, adults are getting up there and singing their songs. Some kids get up there and sing their church songs, kind of like Christmas at Spalding or something like that. Uh -huh. And I, I wasn't there. My, my boy was there with his mom. And she said that he, nobody told him to. He, he ran up there to the microphone and he grabbed the mic and he counted to 10 in Nez Perce. Oh. And then... You know what I mean? And that was it. Everybody clapped and cheered oh, and then yes. he went and sat back down again. I was just like, man. And like his mom told me, she was like, most of the adults were like, yo, I can't even do that. And she's like, everybody was looking at me. And I said, I can't do that. Like, you know what I mean? John taught him that. Like, so it, it feels good to me to know that some, some things that you, because it's repetitious. It's like we'd be in the car. You know what I mean? I pick him up for the weekend. It's like on the way home, we're going to count to 10. In, in English, Spanish, and there's Persian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's I love cool it. that he he saw a situation to share that with with his family, who are also of our culture, and it, it had a good impact. It, yeah, I mean? and so, it does, and the, and that that connection we have with our language, it's a it's a direct connection to our ancestors. And that's very powerful. Yeah, that's man. Shout out to Tutlo too, man, because mm -hmm. that's uh, I work with him on our band also, but I, I try to volunteer for anything that guy has going on too there, there was times where i'd come back from portland and i'd want to hang out with him and he's like i gotta go to orfino to do a class and i'd be like i'll go you know jump on go to orfino and meet some of those indians and you know read, <laughs> read the little the little lesson and the story and everything so i uh i i like that language stuff too i think it really is important and um me being enthusiastic about it Mm -hmm. rubs off on other people I think Cause, it does cause in high it school does. we had like my sophomore year is when they first offered it and I took it every single year you know what I mean and there was a lot of other skinned kids in my class that I would encourage them like man sign up for Nez First Language 7th hour and they'd be like man I'm trying to take weight training or <laughs> I'm trying to take something easy and I'm like dude this isn't hard You're, you know what I mean like I know mm -hmm. your grandma talked to you when you were little you know what I mean like I know that like you, you can learn some of those words and how to write them and it was just it was a tough sell back then but mm -hmm. you know nowadays uh, it, there's a lot of people active and, and promoting it and making it look Cool. And I yeah. think that is awesome. So I, yeah, I I, you know, too. along with our uh, revitalization efforts in language, uh, we also have a, a big responsibility to our Nasoch, our salmon, and um, the tribe. The tribe does great work. Um, you know, in, in certain areas <laughs> that I would like to bring up. Of course, those two were some of them. Um, but yeah, that in, that that important you know established relationship with our language and our our fish species our nasol our salmon is extremely important to us as a life way as our lifestyle for nimipu but um and, and also for our future generations and so it's, it's great that we can work together in this capacity but i'm so thankful you know people like you and our kids you know sometimes kids don't have access to the language unless you go to school in lapway or with the early childhood programs yeah. um you know but now you know tutlo's helping everybody have access to it through a mobile app and and putting yeah. out packets online and i mean we 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 use those my whole family yeah, yeah so it, it is a good resource and that was the main thing i tried to drill it into my boy's head when he was a 
baby because I knew he wasn't going to grow up out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like you need to have this in, in your brain and your heart, you know, so it is. It's yeah, and I, I just just watched a, a video um, that Tetlow was on, and he was speaking about our language and how we're at such a critical hour with our, our language and our elders. Um, and, and since that video was created, he was with one of his mentors. And um, since then, you know, today that, that mentor has passed. And so, um, you know, he's not he's not lying we are at a critical hour and it just even just knowing a few words you know is a really good start but it is. um yeah it is like that's i i like uh just hanging out with that guy in general because he'll initially greet me and talk for like two minutes <laughs> and i'll sit there and I, I can pick out certain parts you know what i mean and i'm just like fuck i don't know what that word is but and, and then he'll explain to me afterwards and it's cool to have uh family like that that will take the time to to teach you but i also think it's dope when people show the initiative to go and look mm-hmm. up the information on the app or like uh when folks buy the dictionary even too you know what i mean because that's a super duper big book man it's a it's, it's a it's pretty hefty investment yeah. yeah you know what i mean but <laughs> when folks do that it shows that they're committed and, at yeah, least it, interested it something mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm gonna drop 250 on this because I want to know when it, when that question arises, I'm going to go and look for it. Yeah, one of the things I want to mention too, uh, my sister Sierra Green. Oh, she's uh, an amazing scientist. Shout um, out to C. Yeah, she's oh, she's she's my everything too. Um, I like her too. She's dope. Yeah, she's a very smart, intellectual person that never makes you feel like you're not smart too. <laughs> I yeah. mean, she's like on the next level type, supernova stuff, you know. Yeah. She's and and pretty, I'm really business brainy, savvy, and, and when she gets into science and engineering and and math and chemistry, and she makes me feel like I'm capable. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I really respect that with her. Um, but yeah, her and I were working on a project together. We would like to start a scholarship funds for our um, Nest Purse kids or descendants. You know, my daughter, uh, Kalila Camus Lily, she is not enrolled. She's just a hair shy of, of being an enrolled Nest Purse tribal member. And so, you know, the blood quantum um, topic comes up, whether people are for it or against it. But, you know, it's something that we need to look at as a, a tribe because eventually we're going to be right where the government wants us to be and that it's diminished, um, you know, just in a few generations from now. So um, I think it's important work that we have to do, but we, we would like to start a scholarship fund. Um, you know, one of them is to provide that Nespers language book and, you know, scholarship money. I mean, we both have gone to college. We know what that's like. Yeah. And, you know, whether you are, excel in school and you, you got grants, there's still things that come up, life comes up. And and you have to have that extra income. And she has her master's, you know, I have my bachelor's, um, but but we've been there and we face these challenges, no matter what school you go to, um, but we wanna be able to help our kids, you know, be equipped, um, you know, financially, but also um, we want them to gain the life skills that they need to, to, to be responsible young adults. Yeah. But that book is really important and we wanna incorporate that with our scholarship too. That's tight, man, I, I agree, like it's, uh, it's, Part of our identity is our language and that's you know of the utmost importance to teach our children you know yeah what I mean? um, and that's a lot of the work that nespers tourism does it's all about um you know preserving culture for future generations and like i was saying earlier the the best work that i i enjoy the most is sitting with my elders and and just visiting with them and laughing and them correcting me because i don't ever say my indian name right it's uh kusnim kask nuat 
So there, there's a lot of glottals inside that. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, one who takes care of water, as, as Kane introduced me as. But, you know, those those names, they, they're more than just a name. It, it's it's where the family you come from. You know, I come from Chief Pile of Clouds on my grandmother's side. And he was responsible for the, the Snake River to um, Al, Al Poway, um to Palutzpu area, and that's you know Moscow Pullman down to down to here the river systems. That's a and, big ass neighborhood, yo. Yeah. yeah, and so on my my grandfather's side, on my dad's side, I come from um, a Peo Peo Ilp Ilp. That's Redbird. So so Redbird Canyon is a. Uh, is up the Snake River also, but it goes all the way down to um, Bergdorf, one of our fishing sites. And we had a lot of uh, um, disruptions with with those sites because of um, the the show band. We, that was one of our enemy tribes at one point. But um, you know, we, we're trying to learn to get along with our, our fishing and our, our revitalization programs. But you know, historically, there have been oral histories that I've learned about um, that that we've had, the show band were very um, very smart. Of course, indigenous people they knew the landscape. Um, but they were very sneaky in the sense that when when the nest purse would go down to our fishing sites, um, they would hide underneath the sand, and and they were so they could hide themselves so well. So we acquired the horse in the 19th in the 17th century, and so after that, you know, even our horses couldn't sense them. But the, but Chief Pile of Clouds, you know, Redbird, you know, that these chiefs that have these spiritual connections with our our. our nature they could feel that something wasn't wrong and so there was multiple occasions where where the leadership and our our bands would be able to retreat because they knew that danger was ahead of them but um yeah those are the people that we come from you know and it's not just the the men you know the women had a great responsibility for for everything too and so knowing that we come from these strong you know very resilient smart creative people um it just helps me instill that into our children no doubt. You know, so the, that preservation for future generations. And I want people to be proud. You know, I didn't always grow up to be proud of who I was. And I think that's where a lot of times I was lost in identity and didn't know which way to go. You know, am I, am I white? Am I native? But am I, though? Am I native, though? You know? Yeah. So it's like... you you, you grew up in Lewiston, too, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, there is a little bit of... Yeah, it was the, the Lewiston yeah. Lafway girl. I was, yeah. I didn't really know. I felt okay, but yeah, it, there was just a lot of, of you know, uh, critical ages too, you know, as a, a younger girl, you know, 11 to, you know, 16. I mean, those are some, some pretty rough years for some people. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, we're, we're getting close to an hour right now. Um, it's been a dope interview so far. I, I just wanted to ask one time, uh, can you talk uh, like for two minutes about the services that you offer for tourism? Just like uh, simple packages, even if they're not available right now because of COVID, mm -hmm. but some of the things that you've done in the past as far as trips and destinations. Yeah, so um, our most popular tour is check us out www.nespursetourism.com. Everything is very easy to access. Everything is Nest Purse Tourism. N E Z P E R C E Tourism. Um, there's the website, there's Instagram, there's Facebook. Um, you can find all of our information and our services online on any of those platforms. Um, but our most popular is probably the, the jet boat. It's Hear the Echoes of Our Ancestors Jet Boat Tour. And it's a three hour tour from the, the confluence a of Seminicum. <laughs> and it's perfect. <laughs> it's like That's not dope, too long yeah, no where Gilligan. people are, are you know tired and they're you know some of our demographics a little bit older in age you know higher income levels uh, very intellectual smart people but have never heard this perspective and so um, I mean you can read all the books you want but until you hear it from a person from that area from 
who they heard it from, from thousands of accumulated knowledge from their elders passed down, it, it, it hits different, you know? Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, not only the, the, the presenting, um, but there is an entertainment piece to tourism, yeah, you know? Yeah. I mean, we can have our, our most uh, knowledgeable elders get up and speak in, in, in a group setting of hundreds of people, but if you can't communicate that in a way that's effective, that people can relate to. That's, you know, not entertainment to where it's, uh, it's you know, over the top, but you have to be able to entertain people. Yeah. You know, you have to be able to connect with people on a level that, whether it's online webinars or whether it's in person, you know, you, you can feel, you can, you can feel it. So, um, yeah, we have that tour. And then, you know, we have our regalia on. Um, Lydia is one of my performers. She's a beautiful, she's a model also. But I do, last year I worked with 55 different cultural consultants, whether it was, you know, drummers, singers, dancers, performers, presenters. Um, and so that was cool. So we're, Nespers Tourism is helping people earn income through what they know and do best, yeah. you know, I, and, it, and it's all authentic. We don't try and dress anybody up that doesn't live that lifestyle, yeah. Yeah. you know, so it's real. It's, it's the real deal. Yeah, man. I like that, too, because, uh, man, being an artist is difficult to get your work out there and have it seen and, and heard and, and consumed. And it's dope that you're helping out with that, too. Yeah, and I and I always want to make sure that we promote them. You know, yeah. it's not it's not about me. It's about them and their family, where they come from, and the legacy they're leaving. Yeah, man. And so I, I think it is. It's inspiring a lot of people just to feel more proud and to have that confidence to get up and even say your name and nest person, tell us what family you come from. Yeah. You know, like we've been taught growing up, yeah. and everyone's like, oh, I'm from. Nee, 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 nee. No, yeah. you do it and you say it right and you say it again. And that's what I love about our elders is even in public. You know, one of our cultural values is um, discipline. And, yeah. and in public, if, you know, if, if somebody says something um, that isn't, you know, accurate or a Nespers word wrong or whatever, our elders will come up and let you know, yeah. you know, and I respect that. And it's not because they're trying to diminish your spirit or what you're doing. It's because they care about you and they want you to do it right. Yeah, and, uh, and I love that about our people. I mean, you know, there, there's pros and cons. But like I said, you know, not everybody buys into tourism. But we do also offer whitewater rafting on the Salmon River, you know, of course, right. with the Nespers narrative. I mean, around every river bend. There's a there's a story, there's a legend, there's a village. You know, there's things that we do and don't share depending on, on who the audience is. Yeah. But we do a lot of educational work with our, our youth, and um, it, from three months old to you know college age to elders. Um, we took a tour with uh, the the Pinkham family um, right before their oldest living World War II veteran and oldest living tribal member passed away. He went with us with his whole family up the Snake River and he'd never been up there. That's dope, mm -hmm. man. And it's just so beautiful being able to tie our people to our homeland. You yeah. know, accessing areas that they can't travel to um, in a car. Yeah, man, that Wapshila Ranch and all that stuff too, man. I went on a raft trip down the snake one time. It was pretty dope seeing all that and all the petroglyphs mm -hmm. and everything too. Like, it is. It's yeah. an experience. It's and entertaining. And then, dude, I just think I want to go sometime because, man, it's like, nah, man, it's Indian selling at this time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and, yeah, and, and we, like, I mean, we jam out. I mean, we bring our hand drums, our drums, we bring our regalia, and it's not like, you know, a couple little verses here and there. Like, we get down, yeah, you know, and yeah. and it's, it feels good to, to my soul, and I, I feel like I'm doing really good work, um, and I'm not going to stop. No doubt. You know, there's nothing that is going to stop me. No 
COVID, whether it's real or not, no person, no pissed off tribal member, no matter what it is, no matter, I'm still going to be able to, to jump over that roadblock and keep moving forward. And that's something that our ancestors taught us. I love you know? that attitude too. Stacey. But yeah, we also offer, you know, dinner with the Nest purses. We do customized tours, horseback riding. Um, I work with some local organizations in Lapway, um, the Chief Joseph Foundation and My Sweet Appaloosa. I mean, the, the, the horse work is extremely intense. You know, horses are, people are stubborn, but just imagine we're working with a 2,000 pound horse yeah, um, and, and being able to work with them and establish those talents and those skills that they need to, to have riders. But there's, there's so many neat things that we offer. Um, but you know, tourism isn't new. This is not something that um, I started. It's something that I had in me already, and mm -hmm. I just helped it blossom into a, a business model. Um, but yeah, we established in 2018, and we're growing and growing and growing. This year, I had three agreements with the American Cruise Lines, um, and that's huge. So I, I did a lot of you know research and work for the past year and a half, and I was able to get three agreements, um, which oh. which equals out to a, a lot of revenue for my people. Yeah. Because um, I can't do it alone. You know, I need you. I need I need my people to make this successful. So. No doubt. Yeah, I we're gonna continue growing, but check us out. Um, we will be, we'll be, we'll be promoting um, Nest Purse Traditions as well. It's our gift shop in, in Newberry Square. So um, if you're, like I said, if you're an artist, um, if you just need some gift ideas, some items, some baby shower gifts, anything, we'll have it. So oh, oh, one more question before we go. You can answer as quick as you can or as slow as you, it doesn't matter. But I, I forget to ask this every time. And you, you kind of to a certain extent have, but I still got to ask it. It's a two-sided question. First side is the good side. What do you feel has been your best move on the path to where you're at right now? Ooh, oh, okay. So, um, even if it's not just one thing, maybe it's a it's, it's one thing. Okay. It's one thing. Um, it is being able to kind of step outside of myself and look in the mirror and truly and honestly say, I love you. Dope. If you can do that and you can look in the mirror, you can do anything Dope. because you have to be able to believe in yourself. And for a lot of people, it's hard, but, um, you know, if I could do it, and, I, and I'm, I'm getting emotional because, oh, that moment, that moment was just everything, and I was in prison, and I needed that, and I did it. But, you know, what was beautiful was all those things that happened in the past, I was able to forgive and forget immediately. It was that moment, and, and, and completely and mercifully and not feel any type of way about it. It was that moment that I did that in my life that I was able to propel myself to where I'm at now. Dope. Good answer. Damn, man. Now, this is the shitty side of the question. You know what I mean? What, what do you feel has been your biggest mistake? Your biggest fuck up? Oof, jeez. You know what um, I mean? Because it is. It's fun to talk about the wins, but the L's are relevant, you know? Uh, I, I'm such an optimist, too. I can turn any negative into positive. Um, the biggest, oh, jeez. And make biggest letdown, whatever, you know what I mean? I, I dig that it's hard for you to answer that side of the coin, you know what I mean? Because it, it is. Ooh, it, ooh, it ooh, your, ooh. Your attitude is really positive. Um, I think my, my biggest regret is um, not doing what I just said earlier. Yeah. And not realizing who I was at a younger age. Um, I think that we're going to keep making strides, you know, that's for sure. But... But also, I, I just want to make sure, too, that I can reach as many people as I can in the same situation that's feeling, you know, kind of lost or, you know, not feeling like they fit. Um, it's, it's in you. And I, and I can't stress that enough that, that who you are is in you. So you have to dig for it. But nobody can do it for you. Yeah. You have to do it for yourself. No doubt. Yeah. Good advice.
Well, man, thank you for coming on the show. Stacia, is there, is there anything? It's Nez Perce Tourism LLC across all social media. Yep. And is it .com or .org? Com. .com if you guys want to hit it up. Uh, look, look for a tour. Or come down to Newberry Square, buy some artwork. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to schedule with me and then let me come in here and yeah oh my goodness it's a huge blessing i just i feel so good about it so thank you again for what you do and the work that you do it's very important keep at it no doubt i'm I'm not gonna stop either we're gonna keep keep doing shows station and keep making music so uh thank you man it's uh inspiring to hear your story too i hope it inspires other people when they listen to the episode yeah and then if you guys have any questions comments concerns about anything please reach out whether it's business related you know past related obstacles it doesn't matter um i want to i'll be there for you um so um hit me up uh even my email is nestpursetourism at gmail.com um so yep i'm here for you too so i believe in you guys so so keep at it people all right so with that ladies and gentlemen i'm going to do my outro dance this was the 73rd episode of concerned dabs podcast i was your host katie m kane my guest tonight stacia morphine from nez purse tourism llc please hit her up online uh it extends everywhere even the gmail um i also got to give a shout out to my guys in production mitchell wilson and jesse curry this has been a main node and joseph street enterprise production